Hello everyone, Elizabeth Johnston here, your host of Own Your Creativity, and I'm excited to be gearing up for Liberate, the Polish and Publish One Day Retreat on Saturday, July 25th. I'll be revealing the secrets to polishing your work so that it is publish ready. You won't have to suffer from word shame anymore, and you'll be clear on what you need to do so that your writing shines like a silver goblet brimming with your stories and wisdom. Because I'm so excited about the new season at Own Your Creativity, and because I want to thank you, my loyal listeners, I'm offering you a special gratitude gift that when you attend the Polish Unpublished Story Retreat, that you get this free gift. When you sign up by noon on Friday, July 24th, Eastern Time, I'll gift you a seat in my memoir writing retreat happening online August 21st to 23rd. This is a $297 value, but you get it for free. Seats are limited for this online event, though, and so this offer is good for the first five listeners. Just go to bit.ly forward slash polish publish to secure your seat. When you register, be sure to enter in the code word podcast when you are prompted to fill in your name and email for the mailing list. This step happens after you pay for the Polish and Publish online retreat. You'll recognize this step because it has a picture of a smiling woman. I've included a screenshot in the show notes for this episode too. Hello everybody, Elizabeth Johnston here of Own Your Creativity. I'm super excited today to be talking to Karen Anderson. She is an animal communicator and also a best-selling author. She um, is also an award-winning animal communicator who specializes in pet loss and afterlife. Her intuitive abilities became evident during her law enforcement career and launched her onto this unusual path of understanding animals. She has written two best-selling books, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and Hear All Creatures. And she also offers programs for those who want to follow their passion for animal communication. Welcome to the show, Karen. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so something that, um, you know, the subject today is, is mainly I want to pick your brains about your um, books, you know, and, and you've had this phenomenal success with your self-published books. So I, I really want to dive into that. But before we do that, I'd love to hear more about how you became the animal communicator. And you say that it was during your law enforcement career. So first of all, just tell us about that. And how did you discover during your law enforcement career that you had this affinity with animals? I know what a crazy story, right? Yeah. So I could understand the animals as a little kid, um, not the level of what I understand them now, of course, but I thought everyone could, Elizabeth. I didn't know that I was doing something unusual or different. I just thought everyone could hear their thoughts or understand them. Um, but it, I, my parents didn't think it was such a great thing. So <laughs> they, they kind of discouraged me and told me to, you know, stop making things up and stop talking to the dog. And then when I started describing uh, departed family members that I had never met before, that really like put them over the edge. So I learned very early that I had to hide what I was doing because it wasn't acceptable. So that kind of carried along with me over the years. So, you know, fast forward to my mid thirties, I'm now a police officer in Colorado and uh, straight out of the academy, they threw me right onto the graveyard shift by myself. The nearest backup car was sometimes a half an hour, 45 minutes away, just depending on where I was in the district. 
And I had to learn very quickly to trust that inner voice, to trust my intuition. And most good police officers have um, what they call their gut instincts. They don't call it intuition necessarily, but that's what it is. It's what keeps us safe and lets us go home at the end of our shift. So I started paying attention to that inner voice. I started reading the energy of people on a crime scene. So I pay attention to their, their body language. I pay attention to where their eyes were looking and just how they were speaking to me, how they were standing. And pretty soon I started to get pretty good at reading energy. And you know, a perfect example is, have you ever walked into a room after two people have been arguing? They're not arguing anymore, but boy, you walk into that room and it's like, boom. You know, yeah. you hit with this wall of this thick energy because there was a fight going on there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, of course, the extreme case. The, the energy that I deal with is very subtle, but that's how you learn. You start paying attention to things like that. So that's where it all started to surface. And then I started getting messages from animals on the different crime scenes that I was on. And, and that kind of blew my mind. So... I thought, you know, this is incredible if they can tell me, you know, what happened before I even arrived on scene, you know, what can't they tell me? I mean, anything's possible at that point. So that's where I really kind of threw myself into animal communication and I wanted to learn everything I could about it. And now here I am 23 years later. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know it's, it's uh it's been an incredibly amazing and unusual journey. That's amazing. So can you tell us um like a little anecdote of of you know some some piece of information that you got from an animal on the scene that maybe broke the case or helped you understand, you know, who did it or Yeah, know, absolutely. There was one of the first ones that pops into my mind. I'll never forget it. It's like it happened yesterday. I was um on a scene where a uh, felon had rolled his car, he was armed, and he disappeared into a big field in the middle of um, the high, high mountains in Colorado, about 8,500 feet. It was pitch black out, it was a summer night, and he disappeared. And um, I was told to stay in this one area to keep the perimeter while two other officers searched in a different area for the suspect. So I'm sitting there by myself, in this big field in pitch darkness and shaking in my boots, right? Thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if I find this guy? <laughs> and all of a sudden I was thinking to myself, I wonder where he's hiding. I wonder where he's hiding. At that same moment, um, several deer came walking by. They knew I was there. They knew I wasn't a threat. And I just happened to have that thought in my mind, where is he hiding? When all of a sudden it popped into my head, logs look over by the logs and i looked over to my right and sure enough there was a, a pile of fallen trees um just to my right and i thought oh my gosh is he there is he really there so i snuck around pulled my weapon and as i got closer to the logs i could actually feel the intensity of his energy i could feel it was like radiating out so I ordered him to come out with his hands up, and sure enough, these two little hands popped up. Whoa! Oh so the deer God. told me. 
Yeah. Crazy, yeah. right? Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I know. Now keep in mind, I could not put in my police report that my <laughs> confidential informant had four legs and antlers. <laughs> That would not go over well. <laughs> and and did it ever come up during your career as a police officer that you had this ability or it was only after? Oh no, remember yeah. I kept this whole thing quiet. This yeah. was something I didn't share with anybody. I yeah. learned a long time ago, no, no, no. <laughs> right. Especially when you have to be credible as a police officer. No, you don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. You don't tell anybody your crazy stories. I can tell it now. <laughs> because it's been so long, but, uh, but yeah, that was a pretty monumental moment for me. That's when I realized, wow, you know, they can really tell me anything. And, uh, the last thing I was thinking was uh, the trees or the logs where he was hiding. Cause I had no idea where he was. So that's how I knew it wasn't my own thought. I was thinking, what am I going to do if I find this guy? Yeah. So, wow. Yes. Yeah, crazy. So when was it that you started feeling comfortable in sharing your gifts and talking about them? When did that come? That took a while. I was a practicing animal communicator and I was working here in my home office, uh, but I wasn't even conducting phone sessions at the time. I was conducting um, email sessions. So I'd have the clients email me the photos of their pets and whatever questions they wanted to know. And then I'd uh, return their information and the messages via email. And when it really kicked in as far as getting my voice out there and being heard was when I started attending the different uh, body, mind and spirit expos where I would travel around the US. I did up to 15 shows a year where I would sit in a convention hall and from Friday to Sunday, I would do back to back readings. Wow. And sitting face to face right across from the client, they bring their photos and they have their session right there with me. That's where I really got comfortable with helping people understand and uh, grasp the idea that, yes, animals communicate with us. They do it all the time. They tune us out a lot, too. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff they don't listen to, but they do pay attention to some things. And it was just was so amazing the things that they would come up with and I always said that the day that it stops being amazing is the day that I'll stop being an animal communicator because it's still to this day like I said 23 years later I'm still like amazed at the messages that come through the accuracy and the things that they know are just incredible wow. and and just to give you for instance I just had a session the other day and it was a deceased dog and the, the dog kept saying either noodles or oodles or poodles, something oodles. I couldn't quite get what it was. And so um, his mom said to me, I had the mom, the client on the phone. She said, Karen, that's my daughter's nickname, noodles. That's my daughter's nickname. So, you know, how, how do they come up with this stuff? I don't know. Wow. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> so then you wrote um, your first book um, and can you tell us about you know why you decided to write a book and and um, and how it became such a success yeah my first book is um, hear all creatures and this actually uh, went through a traditional publisher and I got a book deal for this and um, I wanted to share 
my story because of how amazing all of this is. And I thought never in a million years is anybody going to believe what I'm telling them because you have to experience it for yourself in many cases before you can say, wow, this is really real and this really happens. So I wrote about just my experience as an animal communicator. I wrote about all the different sessions that I had over the years and what the animals told me, how I learned their language, because there is a little bit of a learning curve. They don't uh, interview like a human. <laughs> so you have to learn how they send their messages. So that's what I wrote about. And uh, it was uh, enough to get a publisher interested in me. And so I went the, the publisher route on that book. And, um, and it was back in the day when animal communication was just kind of coming out. Not too many people knew about it. It was back in 07. So it was still kind of new on the horizon. And you, so you had uh, your second book um, and you decided to self-publish that one. Um, so why, why did you decide to do that and not go the traditional route? The second book, uh, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, uh, this one I decided to self-publish uh, because I felt like on my first book, Hear All Creatures, I had no input. I felt like I handed them the manuscript and six months later they handed me a book and said, here you go. I didn't get to really say what I wanted on the cover. I didn't really get to look at the format or how the chapters would flow one into the other. There were many things that I would have done differently on the first book had I self-published. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try this myself and just see how it goes. I had no clue what I was doing or what I was getting myself <laughs> into at the time. And uh, it was a bit of a challenge. And I did it. I am, you know, now, what, two and a half years um, that since The Amazing Afterlife as Animals has come out. And this book has seen some incredible success. It is just, it's amazing. It's helping so many people deal with the loss of a pet and the grief that comes with it and, and what to do, what not to do, and how to help your pets and um, what happens when they pass away and how they feel about euthanasia and cremation and burial and reincarnation and, pfft, you know, all those, who are they with? What are they doing? All of those questions that we have about our pets and we wonder, you know, do they, do they come and visit us? Do they see what's going on? Do they see the new puppy or the new kitten I got? You know, are they mad at me about the new puppy or the new kitten I got? You know, all those things, that's all wrapped up into the amazing afterlife of animals. Right. And so um, you, you've won awards uh, for, for the second book, and it's got to bestseller status. And, you know, how, how did you make that happen? And, and um, like, what was involved with, uh, in, in getting to that status? Uh, one of the most important things I did was I made sure that when I wrote the book, I wrote it for specifically what... I felt the readers wanted that wasn't already out there. Mm -hmm. So this is really crucial. So anybody who's um, thinking about self-publishing, I went on Amazon and I read all the reviews of books in my genre that were bestsellers. And I specifically paid attention to the reviews that were negative. The most critical reviews hold the most important information for for a writer because you can 
literally it's like golden nuggets in there of of what was missing or what they were looking for or what they were hoping for so i went through and i i read through a lot of the reviews and and really researched what they wanted what readers were missing and i i did my best to provide them with that so i gave them what they wanted and i did that in a way through storytelling and and I gave very good examples in each one of my chapters by sharing a story that had a similar theme. And you know, people love stories. They want a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story, and they want it all to make sense, and they want you to tie it up into a nice little gift package when you're all done with the chapter and make it all make sense. So I made sure that I provided a lot of stories. And still to this day, I have people they that say to me, oh my gosh, I love that story about Captain. That was my favorite story. You know, they have their favorite stories in the book. They're learning as they're reading. They're, they're grasping what I'm sharing, my message, but it's the stories and it all comes back to the stories. So I gave them what they wanted. And then the part that really launched me into the success that I have right now is I would take all of my royalty checks in the beginning, which were pretty dinky, and I would roll it back into marketing. Okay. I'd keep like 50 bucks for myself and like, you know, go buy a new flower or something for my deck or whatever. But then I would take the rest of that royalty check and literally put it right back into marketing. My, my thought process was, you know, this is just a bonus for me. I already wrote the book, so I'm just going to take a little something for myself and I'm going to use the rest of this check to market and get it out there. You can't be a bestseller if nobody knows you exist. Right. You have to get your book out there. You have to get in front of people. And the, and the way you do that is really effective and powerful marketing where you're really speaking to the reader and letting them know, hey, I'm here, here's this book, here's what it'll help you do, and then boy, oh boy, you better deliver on those promises. Right, so what kind of marketing did you actually do? I did uh, uh, some Facebook marketing, but I would say that the majority of my success came through Amazon marketing. Okay. So they have the um, AMS, um, which is the Amazon marketing side of it, and it's this complex, almost like um, uh, information overload of everything you could possibly want to do with your book. It has keywords, it has categories, it has pay-per-clicks, you know, it has all of this, you know, really technical information on there. And again, didn't have a clue as to what I was doing, but I just went in there and set up a couple of uh, trial ads and and then you just you test them for a while you see what works you see which ones get the most response and then the ones that aren't getting a response you change them or you you know stop them from running and it was really trial and error it was really just watching closely the numbers and seeing what was working okay and so you published through amazon is that what you did your second book yeah mm -hmm. okay and so so can people buy like a Kindle version or, or a hardcover or both, or how does that work? Uh, on Amazon, it's on Kindle and paperback, and it's also on Audible, so you can get the audio version of it. 
It's also on Smashwords, Barnes and Noble, and a couple of the other retailers that are out there, but those are the main ones. I also sell the book through my own website. And um, that became, I think, pivotal too, because um, my book became uh, what I call a lead magnet. So this lead magnet right here, it introduces people to my work and what I do, it also introduces them to the afterlife. It introduces them to how to heal after a loss of a pet. And this became a lead magnet on my website. So it attracted people who were interested in learning more. Uh, and that then adds to my VIP family, which is like my subscriber list, people who opt in and subscribe to my email list. And then I was able to market to all of those people. So I have the, there's, there's two sections, actually three. There's the Amazon marketing, there's my website marketing, and then there's the Facebook marketing. I would say the one that I had the least success was, with was the Facebook marketing. I think people are tired of all the ads. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so I'm tired of all the ads on Facebook. Um, so that was the one I, I had the least amount of success for. It, it serves a great platform to let people know about your book and um, you can drive them to Amazon or to your website through those Facebook ads. Um, but what I found is that when I would run an ad on Facebook, um, everybody would post the picture of the pet that they just lost and write a big long tribute to them. And you have no idea, no clue as to whether or not they bought your book or not, except for the people who come on and say, oh my God, I bought your book and I loved it. Right. And thank you so much. And you know, when's the next one coming out? So Facebook marketing can be a little bit tricky and uh, you'd never really know how many of those numbers are being driven to your, your Amazon or to your website. Right. But those, are, those are the three components that I've used with tremendous success. Those have all worked really, really well for me. And how many uh, books have you sold uh, for your second book? You, do you have that number or um, part figure? <laughs> yeah, it's close to 20,000. Wow. And the first book, do you know how many that, that sold? Nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so that could, that just there could kind of be the difference between going with a traditional publisher and a self-published uh, route. Um, and, you know, I don't know how it necessarily works in the United States, but in Canada, the small publishers get grants from the government and that, that's contingent upon them uh, uh, publishing like, you know, 12 books a year. So, you know, 12 new authors, 12 books, they have like a month to promote your book and then they're on to the next one. So, you know, if you're not selling 20,000 in that yeah. month, then, yeah. you know, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it can be, it can be really painful as an author that your book isn't being read or being promoted, but nowadays uh, publishers want you to promote your book. So my thought was, well, if the publisher wants me to promote my own book, why am I going with a publisher? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's why I went, you know, I'm going to try self-publishing. I'm going to see how, you know, if I can figure this out and, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was painful. There were days where I was just like, what have I gotten myself into? And, you know, it was, 
a challenge, but then once it's done and you push that button, you know, that's where the real work starts. If you think it's a challenge to get your book up on Amazon, the real hard work starts because you have to keep marketing and marketing and marketing and, and you have to market in front of the right audience. That's the other thing that I was really specific about. I got super clear on who my target audience was. So when I was setting up any kind of advertising whatsoever through keywords or categories, I paid very close attention to my specific target audience. And I started polling uh, past clients who had read the book and I asked them, you know, where do you live? What do you do for a living? You know, what's, uh, what are your interests? You know, I started finding out, you know, the, the perfect client who was reading my book and buying my book and loving my book. And then I made sure in my marketing that that's where I was putting my marketing dollars. So I didn't cast a big net. I, I start, I started out that way. I just said, Oh, I'll put it under pets, you know, cause it's about animals, right? Pets and animals, that'll get millions of people to buy my book wrong. It doesn't work that way. It got lost in oblivion because it was too wide of a category. So I reeled it back in and I started saying, okay, well, this is about pet loss. This is about grief. This is about the afterlife. So I took those three categories and I made sure that all of my marketing was geared toward those specific areas and that paid off that was that's where the royalty check started doubling and tripling and i still roll a big chunk of royalty checks into marketing and i think that's another thing that i need to share with anyone who's going to be self-publishing there's a lot of money that goes into marketing it's not a simple push the button and hit publish and you're suddenly number one and, and then you stay number one. No, once Amazon recognizes you in the algorithm that you're in the top, let's say hundred top 10, my book, the amazing afterlife of animals has never been out of the top 10 and it's usually in the top five. It was just number one day before yesterday in two and a half years. That's not coincidence. It's there because I make sure through marketing that it's getting the attention through those target audiences that it needs and it's in the right genre, getting in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. So it's a never ending, never ending. Every day I think to myself, okay, I need to check my ads. I need to check keywords. I need to check the numbers. And then I go back in and I'll, I'll do another test run to see how it's doing or I'll change something that I did in the past. It's always an ongoing thing. It, it, you, never, you never stop. It just keeps um, growing and growing and growing. And it's exciting when it does. Do you have plans for another book? Yes, I am writing another book right now as we speak. Yes, it's going to be a continuation of The Amazing Afterlife of Animals because um, this book, because it's about such a heavy topic, you know, pet loss and grief, Um, I kept it short. You know, it's only about, um, oh, 157 pages. That's not a big book. It's also written in little bite-sized pieces because I knew that my reader was going to be grieving. And you know, when you're grieving, you can't even function. You can't even get up. You can't even sometimes make it through the day. How are you going to possibly read a book with a lot of information? So I made sure I wrote it in little small chapters, 
lots of pictures, stories. I made it really easy to digest and really easy to read. So everyone who has read this book and loved it keeps saying, we want more stories, <laughs> write more stories. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a continuation of The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and I'm going to give the readers what they want because again, market research, I'm polling my audience and I'm asking them, what do you want? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's important too. What ask your readers, what didn't need to be in the book or what can I skip over next time? Or what can I leave out next time? You know, they're, they'll be brutally honest with you. You know, the biggest thing I heard was we don't want to hear about your cop stories. We don't want to hear about your background, your work history. We want stories. Yeah. And, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily the way I thought it would be. I thought people would be interested in my background and granted some of them are interested, but the majority of people want more stories. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give them what they want. And would you say that is like the main difference between your first book and your second book that you had more interaction with your audience? Or is there another thing that like really stands out for you that made the second one a success and, and the first one not so much? Like, well, the, the first one is now finding success because of yeah. the amazing afterlife of animals. So it sat kind of dormant for about 10 years. And now because of this book, it's, it's finding success. I always think, oh, I should go back and rewrite it. And it's like, Karen, leave it alone. <laughs> Just leave it. <laughs> Write your next book, you know, put your effort into your next book. Mm -hmm. So it's a learning. You can, you know, if you get both books and read them, you'll see the difference. You'll go, wow, that's exactly what Karen was talking about. I can see the difference between the first book and the second book. Right. I think what did it for me, Elizabeth, is I really stayed authentic to my message. So when you write about your, what you're passionate about, what you, when you're sharing your message with the world, I was really focused in and dialed in on sharing my message the way that it came through to me in my sessions as I communicated with animals and how it helped my clients. There's a whole underlying theme here about following your passion and doing what you were meant to do here in this lifetime, there's an underlying theme. So you have all the stories about all the pets and all the animals and how they helped, the messages helped their humans heal. But then you have this underlying theme of, you know, it's all about standing in your truth and following your passion and doing what you were meant to do in this lifetime. So I think what's important there is I really gave the reader not only something that they can hold on to in their darkest moment, but it's very inspirational and very uplifting. The stories are fun. The stories are funny. The stories are lighthearted. Yes, I cover some deep topics, but I think the biggest thing between this book and the first book is I really paid attention to what the readers want. I didn't write about what Karen Anderson wanted to write about. I wrote about what people needed and what helped them. Right. So if you can figure out that, you know, for me as an animal communicator and afterlife specialist and, you know, with dealing with pet loss, I took the one thing that I saw was most beneficial to my client. And that was the healing aspects that came from the messages they received from a departed pet. Like how could a departed pet know that they had uh, crumpets for breakfast this morning? <laughs> Wow. You, know, you, you tell me. Now think of the healing properties there. 
their animal is passed on, but it knows what it they had for breakfast that morning. It's mind blowing. Your brain just goes, you know, how is this possible? And they can start healing from that now that they realize, okay, the pet is physically gone, their body is gone, but their spirit, their energy is eternal and lives on and they can then start healing. So I think yeah. that's the big difference between the first book, which I just kind of wrote my story. The second book, I really gave the reader what they, what the reader needed. Right. That is awesome. So you have um, a free gift and I'd love it if you'd actually explain it because it's not just one free gift. There's like a ton of things that um, people will get when uh, they, they go to this link. So can you explain a little bit about what? Absolutely. There is um, in the free gift, there is, there are book offers. Now the book offers are the book is free. You just have to pay for shipping which right now is $7.99 in the U.S. And I can't ship to Canada right now because of the restrictions. But when that lifts, then we can figure out those prices. I'm also offering in the free gift, um, there's a digital version of my books. It's a PDF digital, not a Kindle. It's a PDF digital. And those are $1.99. But to the free stuff. The free stuff is I'm offering a free animal communication handbook. It is an e-guide and in this handbook there are five free digital lessons so that you can learn how easy it is to communicate with your pets whether they're still alive or whether they have, excuse me, whether they have passed on. You'll learn the simple steps in this e-guide and it really is um, a lot easier than you think. If you have pets around you right now, if you love your pets, you're already communicating. You just don't realize it. And I'll show you how simple it is to send and receive messages with them. Cool. So that that's the e-guide. And then there are lessons that are included in the e-guide. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There, are, awesome. there are five digital lessons included in that e-guide. So as soon as you get it, you can start practicing as soon as you get the e-guide. Cool. And um, there's also an invitation for your mobile app download to enter a, a free pet communications session. Tell us about yes. that. Yes. Yes. I just launched a brand new mobile app. And if you download the app and go to the homepage, there are instructions as to how you can win a free pet communication session by downloading the app, uh, rating the app and uh, basically just clicking around in it and reading through the different, there's tips of the day, there's different articles, there's an entire master class of the afterlife uh, YouTube video in there that you can watch if you want more afterlife stuff. And the app is free, it's free to download and it is like having uh, pet loss or afterlife info right at your fingertips. And the name of the app is called Boom, Business is Booming. And boom has an exclamation mark after it. So it's boom, exclamation mark, business is booming. And you'll have to watch the uh, welcome video to see why I named it that. There, <laughs> there's a special reason. I didn't want it to be the Karen Anderson app. I thought that was boring. <laughs> so uh, the welcome video will tell you why I named it that. But yeah, if you forget the exclamation mark, you're not going to find the app. But it's okay. boom exclamation mark business is booming 
So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's been really uh, enlightening to, to learn more about what you do and um, get all the tips for self-publishing success. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and Doreen, thanks for being here too. And I welcome questions. If you're catching this later, I welcome any questions you have. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's interview at bit.ly forward slash the OYC podcast. To find out more about Liberate, the Polish and Publish Story Online Retreat, and get your thank you gift of the free ticket to the Weekend Memoir Writing Retreat, go to bit.ly forward slash Polish Publish and register not later than noon, July 24th, Eastern Time. 